Welcome to Knock 'em Dead, a comedy podcast that deals with the one thing we all experience yet never talk about death. Episode 4 Military Death. I was raised in a military family. My father was a Marine officer. At two, I didn't wear pull ups, I did pull ups. Dad's helicopter was shot down in Vietnam. He woke up on a hospital ship nine months later and volunteered to go back. He really didn't like his wife at the time. And he's still the same man at 81. Two weeks ago, he fell off his porch into a rose bush, got helped out, and volunteered to go back. Dad, get out of the rose bush. My mom later married an army colonel. She had a type called Daddy Issues. My stepfather served his country for 25 years, and it still didn't prepare him for my family. Both dads had their own battles with PTSD, from my mom and from their military service. But what if they were one of the many that didn't survive? Suicide rates among active duty military members are at an all-time high since 9-11, with some branches experiencing the highest rates of suicide since before World War II. In 2021, research found that 30,177 active duty personnel and veterans who served in the military after 9-11 have died by suicide. That's compared to 7,057 service members killed in combat in those same 20 years. The U.S. is great at paying attention to veterans after they die. But what if we could love them before they gave their lives for us? I'm Rachel Bradley with my co-host, Christopher Titus. This is Knock Em Dead. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode four. Episode four. This is of episode. Knock Em Dead podcast. I'm Rachel Bradley. This is my co-host. Christopher Titus. I am your host. I'm, we co- I guess it's co-host. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm your co-host. That's yeah. what co means. Not really co- oh, both of us. We're both doing it. Co. Yeah. We're co- both. Okay, got it. So, uh, welcome to the show, guys. Uh, what, why? Welcome to my life, guys. <laughs> uh, also, welcome to my bad hair day. The higher the hair, the closer to heaven, I think is the uh, New Jersey saying. I've got I, a bad everything day. If uh, it falls during the podcast below 7,000 feet uh, altitude, let me know. I'll well, also, we're traveling across the country to every weather possible because yeah. of climate change and us getting off in different states. Your Your hair... Your hair is just like, I'm just, I'm just going to fall out. Yeah. Or be an afro. It's just really gone. (laughs) It's gone through a lot of iterations in the last couple of weeks. Um, But we've had a great time on the road with people. So because this is the fourth episode and we're still new, would you do me a favor and tell us why we decided to do this podcast? Um, I obviously, I think once you've experienced death personally, Mm -hmm. especially with someone that you love, um, there are things I wish I knew. And I wish that it hadn't been such a taboo topic. And I, so once I faced it and certainly for, and when I face it personally, that I would have been better prepared and I wanted to do it comedy podcast because that's what we do. But to destigmatize death is my goal through comedy, through laughing, not at the death, but at the absurdity around the death. And how everybody deals with it. But, but also, it, I mean, taboo is the perfect word. It is so, uh, it's the worst thing. I yeah. mean, when you think about it, it's the worst thing. So all this life force you've had for however many years you've been on the planet just yeah. gets snuffed out. Yeah. And what I'm learning the further we get into it is that 
and with grandma too, I mean, being around a little bit of death now, it, it's, man, it's taken the, I'm looking you right in the face, Beth. It's taking, no, the, don't it's say it. it's taking the edge off. Um, <laughs> Where I'd be like, "Sup, Beth? Yeah, is it my time? All right, uh, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to know. I'm yeah. not saying I want to go now, but I'm, when it when it happens, I think I think I'm going to be um, wrinkly. Yes, very wrinkly. But but also, I, I, I've read some more. The more I read about it, the more I read what your brain does. The more I read the physiology, and then the spiritual part of it, and what happens to people. The more I'm like, okay. It's, it's just another part of the journey. There you go. Well, I think today's topic is, um, this is a tougher one yep. I, to me. Um, I Today we're talking about military death, um, something that you and I have been very passionate about with our other podcasts, with Titus Podcast and... Um, uh, we have military in our families. I grew up. We've with both a dealt with extreme marine extreme, officer yes. with PTSD. They weren't Radar O'Reilly doing paperwork. They were like in the field and saw horrible things and 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 dealt with death on a level that's uh, that we as civilians will never deal with unless it's some horrible disaster or something. And so I had some. There's some different aspects that I talked to. Uh, there's Scotty. some what different aspects oh. of it that I, I didn't, I didn't think I always, I always thought, oh yeah, your buddies get shot. Your buddies die. I never thought, uh, it was brought up to me that, well, it's not just that it's, it's the damage to the innocent people in the war zone. It's the damage, you know, it's, there's, yeah. there's a whole bunch of extra coming back. What happens when guys, you know, they bring it, basically bring the nightmare back to the States. And, and so we've been, we wanted to deal with all that, uh, to, to again, do what we can. Well, you, to help you, you deal with it. You look at, you know, people going over there for wartime advertised or not and um living in a very surreal life, right? People yeah, that were in Afghanistan, you know, trolling for IEDs daily and living in in those going into those villages and stuff. I mean, that that's not we live safe yeah. right in the united states yeah everybody, all those kids adren adrenal glands are like just schwarzenegger they're just like it's just oh running gosh. all the yes. time yes <laughs> yes and so and then you see innocent people dying and then they come back here and they're just supposed to assimilate yeah. um there all right, you're done hey thanks for doing it we're gonna move on now there is um you we've talked about this on our other podcast but at one time, estimated 22 veterans succumbing to suicide per day. Oh, I said it was. Pr and it that's was why uh, there is a military suicide awareness movement called hashtag 22 a day, wow. which when you and I first heard that statistic, we were it, it doesn't even seem it's it's that's crazy. I, I, I said it was, I thought it was a week. I think I, think, I think I said that in our interview. It's a day. 22 a day. Um, it, it wow. it's you can go and read about it the different suicide rates per military branch obviously air force is lower you know because they're at the holiday Inn. wow <laughs> you, you even did a joke here wow what are you doing hunting, chilling at well, the they're, holiday flying above, yeah, they're, they're flying above it they're exactly flying, they're over it i'm sorry i was raised by a marine <laughs> this by the way we, we apologize to everyone in the I'm air force. equal opportunity i dated a lot of air force guys in college there was a base it was like there was just a corral of it sounds good like looking you, guys in but uniform. it sounds like you had a reputation i dated a lot of air force guys hello not at the same time. Oh, uh, uh, well, one time I did. Oh, my no. God. <laughs> I didn't. How come I didn't? We, we're married. I, you didn't hear about this before we got married. Yeah, you did. No, not a lot. of No, the term I dated I a mean, lot of Air Force guys was lot. never said. I may 
have over um i lived near barksdale air force base for a while and uh but i do remember my dad being like air force like my dad's just, just so like it. no it's hard to get emotion out of him but that don't even want to meet him don't even want to meet him i'm super excited for our guests today. i am too i so, we, we love this guy we honestly we literally love this guy Today's guest is a guest I'm very excited about, someone I've known for quite a while, someone who we both highly respect, someone who is infinitely qualified to talk about what we're talking about today. Um, his name is Colonel Randy Williams. He has a lot of bio information that I think is important. I agreed. To qualify him. Uh-huh. Joined the Army in uh, May of 1981 as a second lieutenant of infantry, served in the 1st Armor Division in Germany, then the Mountain Ranger Camp in Georgia, assistant professor at West Point. His assignment there was curtailed because of the Gulf War. They sent him to Arabic training. The Army used him for two tours at U.S. Central Command Intelligence and Security Cooperation and at Defense Intelligence Agency for Middle East Issues. He got one. So that's just, that's just, that's just a really long way of saying he, he got in there with spy, spoke the language, and, and pretty much saved a lot of American lives. Yeah, yeah he got okay. uh, two, and one more two-year infantry assignment in the 10th Mountain Division. But was constantly working in the Middle East, included tours at the U.S. Embassy in Jordan and Kuwait post 9-11. His work was focused on global war on terror and two luxurious visits to Iraq and almost every other Arabic speaking country that he specifically omitted. I met him in Kuwait where. Uh, oh, I wasn't done. Oh, go keep going. Two master's degrees at the U.S. Army War College. Over what? 25 years of service, retired as a colonel in 2006. However, immediately went back to the Middle East uh, to work as a contractor in security <laughs> for nine years. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. When somebody says they work in security. Yeah. With that kind of military background, it's just security. We're like, okay, bro. Yeah. How many guys did you kill? Slowly back away. <laughs> Colonel Randy Williams. Colonel Randy Williams, ladies and gentlemen. Yay. I like that you oh, went to the, I like I'm that. I'm glad that last question wasn't on the topic uh, for me to speak yeah, to. I, uh, <laughs> I just want to thank you for going in your bathroom and doing it in your shower <laughs> curtain. It's very nice. It's a nice shower yeah, curtain yeah, with yeah. the bumblebees you know, on it. They're very cute. You know, it takes down your, your – because we, so we know how dangerous you really are. And so the little bumblebees on your shower curtain just, oh, oh, makes you snuggly. I am snuggly. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to talk to you today because unfortunately, you know, this podcast is about death. That part's not unfortunate. The unfortunate part is that you have a lot of experience with it. Specifically today, we are talking about military death. Um, and you have said to me before that often the hardest war is fought back here at home. Is, right. Do you want to explain that? Well, I, I think that uh, while they're in service, uh, they're surrounded by people who they have shared in their experiences. When they get back home, they oftentimes have no kind of support system. People don't understand. They say they understand, but they have no way of understanding. And we have lost uh, a lot of uh, servicemen post-retirement. In fact, one, uh, one young lady started uh, Vet Lives Matter because her husband uh, took his only life. Most of the suicides I'm familiar with happened while in service. Oh, really? Did, well, didn't it get, of the guys that got back, it was somewhere like 20, 21 a week, or it was it was pretty crazy how many guys were came back and didn't have the support they needed. 
And and I, was, particularly with uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, those kind of wars, uh, and I'm sure PTSD was a, was a huge part in, in, in most of those, if not all, if not all of them. It's really hard to, 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 to know. There's not all of them left notes. I talked to uh, Scotty, you know, Scotty was uh, EOD, uh, my cousin Scotty was EOD, and I asked him a couple of things, and, and, the, and the, the things that the guys have to deal with, it's not just their buddies, the guys they've fought with dying, it's not just that, but it's also, he said, if Scotty brought up, and I didn't think about it, but like, if you're in the service and you're fighting in a war, you're dealing with civilian deaths that are brutal, You're not, and not even the bad guys, just innocents, like, you guys have to deal with it's not just, uh, it's not like grandma dying. It's like this whole other thing where these guys you've trained and fought with go. And then you, then you are, you're clearing a village where everyone got, sure. the, the bad guys killed a bunch of people. And, and so I, I can't even imagine the horrors that the guys bring back. And women. Yeah, and women too. Soldiers, period. Yes. No, you can't just say soldiers. Soldiers, Marines. Ah! I know. Sorry. I'm a comedian. Marines are not soldiers. Well, well yeah, one of the worst cases. Yeah. yeah, one of the worst uh, cases that I ran into was a Marine. Uh, he was in Fallujah in 2004. Anybody who knows Fallujah in 2004, it was hell. And he was uh, called out, his, his last call out, while active. he and his partner were both EOD techs. Uh, there was a bombing in the market, women and children dead everywhere. Of course, the, the women set up their, their uh, uh, crying for their lost loved ones. He goes in there. He sees this. On the way out, they drive over a roadside bomb, uh, which uh, it was a 130-millimeter uh, round that went off underneath their Humvee, throwing them up against the, the wall. He was blind for three days. And in the three days, he kept going over the scene and the sounds of this marketplace. And when he came, when he got his vision back, he had full-blown PTSD and was suicidal and, uh, and paranoid and hard to deal with. Uh, I, I met him after his time in service, and he was still a wreck. So you were a summary court officer while you were in the army, and so yes. how did that really? That was one of my first times with military deaths. And what what was that? Well, in the army, you can you can be called to duty, and, and the other services have something similar. As a summary court officer, a notification officer, a funeral detail officer, and in higher levels, I'm sure there's others that, that do things. Uh, when I signed, signed in at the ranger camp, uh, almost every officer was out of the camp on operations. And we had a suicide among one of the sergeants left behind. And so uh, I being there, uh, the summary court officer is to sort through his last possessions and deliver him to his next of kin, which in this case would be his mom and dad. Uh, and in there, uh, as a summary court officer, you try anything valuable, photos of uh, those things yeah. you want to have, his car, anything of value. The, uh, <laughs> we also were given, given uh, orders, you know, things like his, his uh, big stash of Playboy magazines, <laughs> don't take those back to mom. <laughs> Especially yeah. with the post-its in him. Hey, <laughs> yeah, this is what he really liked. <laughs> These were his favorites. Yeah, I get it. So you have to edit. You have to be uh, uh, emo emotionally sensitive uh, editing for the parents, especially the mom. Got it. Right. And this this particular case was uh, was already uh, 
messed up because the notification officers, officer in, uh, in Chaplin, when they went there, didn't realize that this couple had two staff sergeants in the Army. And so when they came and said, oh, no. and notified them that Staff Sergeant, uh, let's say, I'll make up a name, Staff Sergeant Russell has passed away, and they're saying, well, which one of my boys was it? Oh, no. And they were dumbfounded. They didn't know. And, and so they had to go back and get on a radio while the parents go back in and they're, and they're speed dialing uh, both sons. Well, one didn't answer and one did. Uh, and also you wonder which one they called first. Right. The favorite. Did, was, yeah. it, was it the favorite? That'd be a bad thing for a parent to ask. What is it? Our, was it our favorite? That's a very Hunter Biden, Bo Biden situation. <laughs> <laughs> I love them both. Love them both. But this guy, I like okay. a little more. Um, I got a question for you. We talk about suicides in the military a lot, and and the percentage uh, is so much higher than 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 like you know normal society than than, than civilians. I, I have a question. What do you think it is in the military? Because even when guys haven't seen a lot of action, what is it in the military that, it, or is it a certain person that is drawn to the military that that's more uh, apt to do it, or is it the military? What's in the military that would, that makes people go, this is this is it? Because you know you hear pundits talking about it all the time, and for a guy who's had on the ground experience, what do you think it is? Women, men, and women. Men and women. Sorry. Well, I, I think there's a number of factors. Number of factors, but uh, first of all. You know, they're humans. They're, they're not robots. Uh, and, you know, we, we in the Army, a couple of things that we don't do well is we don't celebrate our victories or take the time to celebrate, nor do we really take the time to uh, honor our dead while in combat. They're shipped out and, and that's done elsewhere. And so, so you, you have these issues, but you have survivors' remorse, uh, guys who were, you know, only one or two out of a unit that's gunned down. They have our time getting over it, but but where this issue of PTSD comes in, whether it's whether it comes to fruition or not, in them is that oftentimes they they can't sleep, they're paranoid, and they have this film that is constantly running over uh, through their mind, right. resetting and running again, and and all this sleepless period of time. In fact, it happened to me back in, in 2005, about six weeks after. Uh, my first watch passing when I when I was sent right back to the Middle East, um, and uh, some some of the time I, I stupidly traveled by myself like to Yemen. Nobody does that, but I didn't give you know, <laughs> I didn't give a rat about my life at that time, and I just noticed that. And so when I got back, I, I got a little bit of help, and and it was like catch twenty two. He said, "Well, since you start help, you're okay." Was this when you so? so was this because there was a, I know you've said before that there was a period in your life where you were awake for a shocking number of days. What was that? That was, that was it. That was it. That was, that was the time when I, when I got back to the States and, uh, and, you know, and all the, all the good Baptists, uh, will not like what I, what I said, but in my, in my, uh, time, and I, I was a Christian who, who read, uh, Bible regularly, and if and there in, in Proverbs uh, 31, I think it was verse 7, I found out that those who mourn should take wine. And so I said, you know what? <laughs> Hold on, I'm, I'm writing that down. Proverbs what? Yeah. I had to let the uh, melatonin get out of my system first. Wow. Otherwise, really, worst things would happen. It really but is I a had, good uh, book. I had two glasses. 
ordered a third one. It's British Airway business class, good wine. And uh, I don't know if I took a drink of the third class. I didn't know anything until they woke me starting to land at Heathrow Airport. Wow. And, and when I came alive, even though I was physically still tired, I felt like I had been on a week's vacation. Wow. You were awake for how many I, days? I was without. Uh, four and a half. With no sleep at all, just I was well into going on toward day five. Wow, that's insane. That that'll that'll make you that will make you insane. That'll that holy crap. Now what Randy was referencing, yeah. and, I, and I can I, yeah, and that that's those scenes running through your head was was constantly with me. What Randy was referencing there that we haven't mentioned yet was that he by this point had lost his youngest brother to leukemia, I believe. And had lost his first wife to colon cancer, Melissa. On top of all the battlefield stuff. Yes. Although when I first met him, I asked him if he served during wartime. And he said, none that were advertised. Yeah. And I was like, hey. we'll leave it at that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's leave it. Um, well, you, I want to touch on something because I just talked. Okay. Iraq was the war zone when I was there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll admit that. I, there, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say references that, that I've picked up that I'm completely making up. But Black Hawk Down situation uh and saddam capture i just no that would he doesn't say anything he can't talk about those i swear he, he cannot confirm or deny and let's leave he it hasn't. Down, i was I, I was across the red sea in yemen that day <laughs> he hasn't ever said but as, i have had a lot of scotch with him before as his passport says <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got a question for you so scotty was saying this is really important and for all the all uh, any one any veterans, any veterans who um, are listening, uh, I didn't think about the civilian thing. Scott said to me when he came back, because he was involved in, when Kenton Stacy, his his SEAL team leader, got blown up. And he he came back and he was fine for like a month. And then, like you said, the movie started playing right. in his head, which is which seems to be a consistent thing. I mean, imagine imagine the worst horror movie you've ever watched and then imagine being there that it was real and you and it, you just kept reliving it and and that i get i kind of i you start to get a, a little tiny window into what it what how much damage that would do to your psyche and then he said there's this thing in the military that if you go to therapy and get any help you're weak and he said i think it's the opposite you have to know what's going on with yourself and be strong enough to go face that uh and, and he said he said that that helped. I mean, it changed his life. He went. He the military got him uh, into therapy, it, and he went from having some problems, paranoia and stuff, to it went away. So do me a favor, guys. Um, we love you for serving for us, you guys. Listen out there, and just get some man. We think you're strong to go fix it. You know that's what men do. We fix it, and if we got to fix ourselves, that's what we got to do. Men and women. Sorry. What kind of misogynistic crap is this? Sorry. Sorry. Um. <laughs> Men and women, by the way, by the way, no, 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 I agree. Get I agree. There's so many, there's so many, and it's weird because we are a different species and women are put in the same situations. They're fighting just as hard, doing exactly the same jobs. And how do you make that sound so belittling? We, no, we do. We deal with things different. Your little guns are big too. No, no. You cute. Who's going to war? Who's going to war? <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm saying that we are different. We deal as, as Species as as a two different species. I I, I would say that Careful. we deal we deal with things differently. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, um. And so I think that I think I, I we like to bake. 
to get through our no, problems. No, I think, I, weirdly enough, because of childbirth, is I think you guys, in some ways, can handle some of the da damage better, I think. Oh, we think so, too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know. I've seen you uh, with a cold. Yeah, exactly. I had something to watch. It wasn't a cold. I had pneumonia, and I was dying. No. <coughs> <coughs> uh, one of the things Christopher was talking about, you know, people getting, uh, getting treatment. One of the problems I ran into when I was uh, running a, a program for insecurity, is, as uh, Rachel said, uh, is that uh, PTSD is a covered disability. They don't have to tell their employer, or at least at that time, I don't know if that's changed. Uh, and so what the, the Marine I mentioned came to work for me as an EOD tech. And, and about four weeks in, he, he, uh, just went down and uh, and became you know, destructive, catatonic. Uh, no one would help him. Uh, the the uh, Navy who ran the uh, hospital in, in Camp Arif, John in Kuwait, said they weren't allowed to unless he had retired. He had to get back to the States to the VA. And, uh, and even the company I worked for would not uh, uh, pass messages or or be seen as assisting because of privacy uh, issues that this young man had. So um, the guys who with me and myself are our ranger days kicked in where you leave no fallen comrade behind. Amen. And so we did some things that uh, I, I probably shouldn't mention because they weren't all kosher. But I was uh, I was forward about it. I didn't let the ambassador know. I let the airlines know. I talked to the air marshals, and uh, and we drugged the guy up and, and uh, put him in, under control of one of my. Uh, my policeman, and he uh, he escorted him back to the states. Was smart enough as soon as he hit they drugged land, <laughs> because oh by the way, the drugs were wearing off. As the drugs were wearing off, he started making weird noises that that disturbed some of the passengers. So instead of continuing on out to Colorado, where his VA person was uh, waiting for him, he got off at Dulles and uh, and and called a, a, an audible and took him to the nearest hospital. That just so happened. To also have a VA contract, oh, and so awesome. so we were almost home. Except I still had to call back and have a retired female colonel, great lady, mm -hmm. go to the hospital with the details and and make sure that the doctor knew what had going on, what was going on, and who his rep was out in Colorado. And then then he was taken care of. And I shared with Rachel that two years after this, I get a. A, a email from him out of the blue. He was back with his family. His wife and two kids had, had separated from him because he had turned weird after with the PTSD. And now he was at uh, at Jackson, South Carolina, uh, North Carolina, excuse me, um, helping others with PTSD. Wow. And, his, and he had his family back. And so he got he got help, and he learned. Unlike when he went with me, stay on your meds. Yeah. Uh, by the way, for my mom being um, a manic depressive, stay on your meds for God's sake. Stay on your meds. Here, here's the thing: we come. It's always funny to me, and this is this goes back to the Civil War, how we treat our soldiers after they've laid down everything for us. It's always that's it's, what I was. It's so crazy to me that we just let these guys and and thank God for John Stewart for these people that have like really had 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 a big media presence that backed it from from the burn pits to not covering the medical. It's like I don't quite understand in, so how we let these guys go. In this new house, I was just looking that um they proposed a bill that would rescind two billion dollars for veterans for claims processing.
processing, appeals, healthcare within and outside the VA, research and education and training for veterans. So you're looking at people that aren't giving their lives in service and who have a great steady income and great health care and a pension for life. Um, and they can insider trade stocks. Yeah, and becoming millionaires and voting down support structures for veterans once they get back I just, and they do need help. What I don't understand is how do you vote money away from guys that made it so you can live free? <laughs> how do you go? Yeah, no, no. We don't need to take care of you guys now. Yeah, but the whole reason we're here and everything's okay and we're not just taken off by the secret police is because of those guys and we're going to cut them? I don't get it. They also tried to take away VA disability for veterans that had higher incomes. I think it was over 170. You might know that. And I think that got shot down because people were like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, because rich people got They involved. laid their lives down for us. <laughs> we might want to just give them a, a doctor's visit once a month or something. Yeah, we, you know, we can make sure that the guys that run a Raytheon and Boeing don't get another yacht. We can just make, you guys, you don't get one. You get one yacht, okay? Just, we, we just don't, 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 don't get two. Let's take care of the soldiers. Um, but more than anything, the mental health thing is hey, so. Can I put another plug in? Mm -hmm. Can you what? Yes. Well, I, I, I thought uh, I was remembering back when I met uh, Christopher Titus, and you know, I met uh, Toby Keith and other entertainers that went into the war zones. And uh, and it, talking about an ounce of prevention, if you in a war zone can you have some downtime and laugh. Uh, I can't think of anything that's more of a PTSD uh, uh, immunization, you know, shot in the arm than being able to, to do that. So that's why, regardless of what he had to say or do, anyway, I, he, I was always a fan of him. Of Christopher <laughs> Titus? And Toby Keith. Uh, or just more, Toby. More, yes. just, just Toby Keith. Just Toby Keith. <laughs> Uh, we, we, well, we had something, okay. there's a special idea called love is evil. And I get told this, I've been told this so many times across the country. Okay. Soldiers would come up to sign something and they would say, whenever a guy got a Dear John letter, we would all go to the common room and together and watch love is evil again. And they would thank me so much. So I think you're right. We, we, it's amazing to me what we expect from 17, 18, 19, 20 year old kids. It's like, and if you think about it, huh, right? like a 20 year old is not a, is, it's a, it's a, it's a kid now. Yeah. And yeah. we throw them into this insane situation. And then we expect them to deal with the death, the destruction, everything that's going through. Then we bring them back. And then our, our, uh, then our politicians cut the money to take care of them after they've already put their lives in line. Makes zero sense to I've me. I've talked about this a lot, but my dad was, and you've talked about it in your special, my dad was shot down in Vietnam. Um, and all but one other person on the helicopter died, was killed. And my dad still to this day struggles with PTSD, never really got help, came from a family where, and I think this is a common problem where men are supposed to suck it up. You're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to see a therapist. And so that's what he's done. And it's all very bottled in there and, and not in a healthy way. We were sitting with him one morning about Nashville. seven, eight years ago in Nashville having breakfast and he's sitting across from us. I grew up with a father that never cried, um, except when my mom left him. He cried a lot. And uh, <laughs> even as a pilot, he got grounded because he was like, oh, ladies and gentlemen, he just left me. <laughs> so they wouldn't let him fly. Um, but that's, that's bad when you hear the pilot come on and go, you know what? What's the point? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. 
<laughs> sitting across from us having breakfast, starts telling the story that I've never heard in full detail, is talking about being on this hospital ship. And this kid, 19-year-old kid, is in the bed next to him. He had, I think it was an IED, was badly burned, third-degree burns all over his body. And uh, is it third or first? Which is worse? I forget. Third-degree burns. Sure. Third and he, they were coming to do the scraping every day and of his whole body where they take all that skin off and they would put a stick in the kid's mouth. And he talks about the kids screaming and he starts crying. And I mean, tears pouring down his face and you and I were just stunned. I mean, like we wanted to hear it, wanted him to be able to talk about it, but you could see like it was, it needed to come out that there are movies, like you said, in his head still at 81, you know? Well, I'm glad you got help, Randy. Well, I can tell you also, uh, I can tell you also that uh, some of the, some of the systems are supposed to help, help fail us. Uh, when I was with the 10th mountain in Haiti, uh, I escorted uh, a suicide back and it happened only uh, you know, barely a week into the operation. Uh, I was going back because Melissa had, had they found that malignant cancer, and so so they gave me a, a short time to go go. But in the process, when I got back there, I, I, got, I started looking into it. And this kid had uh, had been in Somalia uh, six months before. Uh, his wife left him while he was in Somalia. The uh, he went to the chaplain uh, the, the, the let him know that he felt suicidal. The chaplain. Went to the company commander and said, don't take this kid to Haiti. And he said, no, no, everybody has to go. And so off they go, and we bring him back in a box. So sometimes those systems we have don't work for us because people who should know better don't listen to advice when properly given. Or, I mean, if the kid came flat out and told the chaplain, I mean, see, that's when you start to get angry at the system itself. You know, that, 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 that yeah. you got this well, kid, that this yeah. kid really went past all that stuff where he knew he was going to be called weak for feeling like this. You're going to, you're scared. You're scared. And he, and, well, we, and you know, as a higher ranking officer, uh, I was able to, uh, you know, inflict pain upon that, uh, the captain that, uh, good. Did what he good. Should not have done. So Randy, um, Randy, has experienced death in a, in a lot of areas of his life in a somewhat consistent basis throughout his life. Like I said, lo losing his youngest brother, uh, Ron to leukemia and was trying to, you were trying to be a donor, right? Or you were a donor for. I was, uh, I was able to do donate my, uh, the, uh, the plasma, uh, not the red blood cells. They needed the white blood cells and the other things in the plasma. And so I would go at the time, I was uh, at University of North Carolina working on my master's degree to go to uh, uh, West Point, and so they had a, a hospital there that that would draw draw blood, spin up the the plasma, put the, the red back in, and ship that off to St. Louis for its use. And it did. It, it was helpful. I was told. Um, you know, I only got to go back a few times to uh, visit, and uh, it was always. Odd to see your little brother uh, in shape like that. Yeah, can't imagine. But, uh, I think I think my older brother would have done done uh, the same, but for some reason his blood didn't match. 
Now, I didn't talk to mom and dad about what that meant. I was going to say, you might want to have a conversation with your mom. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I did notice he doesn't well, look you know, like you. Yeah. Huh. Well, my father used to always say that, yeah, you belong to the mailman, and you belong to the milkman, and you belong to the, the, the roving photographer. You know, and I said, <laughs> <laughs> to the roving oh, yeah. I'm sure he was joking. Randy, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, sure. He says with a tear in his eye. Uh, then lost Melissa's first wife in 2005 to colon cancer and was with her at the end. I've heard uh, some of those stories are pretty overwhelming. Actually, I do want to say Randy wrote a book that talks about that. Um, and it's on Amazon, right? Yes. From the ash sheet to a front row seat. Uh, it, uh, it. I tried to give advice to caregivers. But also, uh, you know, on the backside of uh, losing Melissa, um, I, I, for those who uh, are not spiritual, just understand that when I felt a call to go into ministry and uh, and and then become, later become a pastor, uh, it, it came out of that time of uh, I, you know I lost all my reasons for uh, you know my, my future that I had planned out was in ashes, and that's where the ash sheet came from. Yeah. But I got to see a lot of great things go on. And that's why I talked about you know, what happened afterwards in the front row seat. We'll be right back with Colonel Randy Williams in just a second. But you need to know this episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Hello yes. HelloFresh is a very close personal friend of ours. It really is. We've hung out with HelloFresh for a couple we years. We really back. have. Uh, they have not let us down Never, yet. I once. always, in any relationship, expect them to let me down. Uh, whether so, HelloFresh is a um, meal delivery service, service yeah. but it's a but you cook the meal, and they show you exactly how to cook the meal. Um, you don't have to leave your house. Nope. It comes to your door and it's fresh seasonal ingredients separated. Each recipe is in its own bag. You have the, you get the recipe card too. You actually yep. they run you through everything you got. You basically have all the exact amount of ingredients. And I will say this, follow the recipe every time we have it. There's not one. Okay. So we've had what, maybe 30 or 40 different entrees from that. At least. Yeah. So. And okay, I always say this: you it makes you look at the food. You take a bite and you go, "What?" Yeah, exactly. Man, we have had some stuff, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. So you can stuff that I didn't. You think can was pick something. how many meals a day and for a week, and how many people. And so we often will do the for four people. <laughs> so we have leftovers. And then we eat it all. And then every it doesn't time. make it to the next There's day. no leftovers. But it is, you sometimes, you can pick your meals every week. Their right. website, you can go look at them, click, read about them, full color. And, um, or you can let them pick, which we've done a lot because I forget. And sometimes I'll get the recipe card and I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. And every single time yep. it is insane. We have had... Insane chicken, insane burgers and lettuce wrap. Chicken with those lettuce wrap things that were oh. like they, they taste like cheeseburgers with no bun. It was amazing. And it teaches you how to cook. So I zest citrus now, people. That's I'm a zester. So uh, if you want to try HelloFresh, which is 25% less expensive than takeout and cheaper than grocery shopping, all you have to do is go to HelloFresh.com/slash 50 knock them dead and use code 50 knock them dead for 50% off and free shipping. That's hellofresh.com slash five zero knock them dead promo code five zero knock them dead. America's number one meal. Kit. I don't think I've ever heard the promo code said that many times. 
You're welcome. <laughs> I'm excited. And now we're going to go back to our awesome guest, Colonel Randy Williams. Uh, Randy also lost his second wife to pancreatic cancer in full, full disclosure 2017 and that was my mother yeah. a wonderful artist a beautiful wonderful singing three alarm fire of an artist and uh <laughs> i had first noticed your approach to death when my grandfather passed away my grandfather basically starved and thirsted to death he had a stroke from dementia and then had a dnr and i remember watching randy because everyone was crying and it was a wreck and randy just very calmly checking his watch feeling his pulse putting his ear to listen to his breathing and i was like what in the hell is going like doctor death yeah <laughs> and um, like he's been around it a lot enough it, it takes a it was interesting for me because when my mom got sick you you were still in Kuwait and my you sent mom home to get decent health care and then you came. But I remember you talking to me and just giving me some really valuable advice about caregiving. And then you and I got to do it to the end together, go to battle, as you said, together. And um, I remember you telling me that I, two things I remember. Guilt is the caregiver's disease. And the second thing was be prepared because everyone blames the caregiver. That's that sucks, including the patient. Yes, yes. yes. There's a joke in Rachel's. The there's a joke in Rachel's new show like that. Do the joke about where you caregiver. Means if you've never been a caregiver, it's where you dedicate your whole life to save someone else's life so aggressively they wish you would die. And <laughs> <laughs> now I have my 85-year-old mother. Now Randy's taking care of his 85-year-old mother, duty bound. He's in Missouri on the family farm. But Randy also just lost his dad to COVID in January and tried to resuscitate him in the car outside the hospital. Wow, man. You uh, what? So here's with when, when Grandma Jean passed, I had an insight into death that it wasn't it wasn't a bad thing. She was 89 and it was it was a gentle death. How do you like what do you what like what residual do you have when you're around all this? I mean, I, the one thing with being older is with comes comes wisdom, but also comes all these experiences where you lose the people that that are the grounding straps to your life that actually loved you, that yeah. actually cared for you. And how do you how do you look at it now that you've been through it so often? Like, what was the insight where you were like, okay, this, when you were checking, like, yeah, like, right, everybody's freaking out when grandpa was dying, uh, when uh, papa was dying and you were checking his pulse and being very, I mean, I don't want to say clinical because I know you, I know you and I know you're a good dude and you feel stuff. What, what was the insight you got into, into people dying that you love that helps you through it? Well, uh, as to be checking my watch, I mean, I had been around death enough I knew I could tell that he didn't have very long right and so uh, uh, I knew that whatever it'd be would be hard on the people in the room but but uh, figured at least giving them warning so they could say their goodbyes uh, I I firmly believe that people as they approach death hear everything around them yes uh, absolutely but, but I, you know you can't help but feel helpless. You know this death is coming, and and uh, and some of us will uh, on the uh, backside of death 
will uh, blame ourselves. We will shake our fist at God saying, I'm angry with you. Uh, and, and by the way, God's got broad enough shoulders that he can handle it. So go ahead and yell and, and uh, throw rocks at him. But uh, I, I think that one of the things that I understood, especially with Melissa, there were, there were those who were going to survive past the death that were watching me and taking their cues from me. And, and if I, if I had lost all hope or suddenly, you know, tank that, uh, it would have an impact that Melissa would not have wanted to have. And, and, and Sharon would not wanted to have, she was so worried about Rachel, uh, that, that, uh, you know, that was a lot of our conversation that, that, if, you know, if she didn't beat this, you know, uh, Rachel would, would have this big hole in their life. And so, uh, I think that, she was right. that having gone through that and, and saw that with, with my sons, uh, with, with her and also seeing with you and you and Christopher both took the loss so hard. Yeah. Uh, and so, so I, you know, I, I tried not to be emotional at this because, because I was hurting too, but, but I understood that that by by walking through um, in a way that I showed that I didn't lose all hope, I might be able to give hope to others. And so, and that's one of the reasons why I tried to write some advice on on those issues of caregiving and impending death and post death. And and you know and also when people uh, think they're coming to comfort you and they say the stupid is hurt things, <laughs> uh, how to just let that go. Amen, brother. I, I am like you. People say the dumbest, dumbest things. <laughs> Weddings and funerals, man. It is. I'm like, do you even hear? <laughs> I, I love my favorite was you need to get over this. Like day two, I was like, I just lost the person that gave birth to me. Or someone goes, everybody dies. Yeah. Hey, 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 give me. Oh, yeah. Cause look, we haven't even finished the food yeah. from the from the reception yeah. yet. <laughs> give me, give me a couple of weeks at least. Oh, oh yes. I, I think people don't. It, it, that's why oh, yeah. we, we do this podcast. People don't. It's such an extreme thing. We're so afraid of it, and it's going to happen to all of us. And I think the one thing people. People feel like they have to say something. And, you know, I'll, I'll let you guys know, people, you don't have to. Put your hand on someone's shoulder. Just no. say, I'm here for you. You don't have to say anything. If we just know you're there, that's fine. Uh, I tell you what, the best thing to do at a funeral when someone dies is listen. Yeah. You can just listen. Don't don't try to solve it. You don't need to solve it. We're all dealing with the I nightmare. I would say listen and just stop saying how are you doing? Don't ask that people that, guys. Don't yeah, ask no. them that. Yeah, because you can only say I'm fucked so many times. <laughs> don't like, remind me. Yeah, just uh, what I love I, and I still remember and will never forget are the people that let me just know they were there. Yeah. That was it. So food showed up? People that Food and can I come sit with you for a little while or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I still have these very vivid uh, memories. A, a strong Irish coffee. I was going to say, I have yes. very vivid memories of who showed up for me and just showed up and also a lot of scotch. Woo. So Randy, uh, my brother and I were just at a liquor store this week. And I told the guy that a little bit about that, that McAllen 18 and Mortlock 18 got me through uh, that time. I'm not recommending drink. No, no, we're not I'm saying just that. Saying, we're just saying this would happen in our situation. This was me. Randy in the morning would put it in coffee. And then about three o'clock, he'd go, is it time to take the coffee out? And I'd be like, yep. And it wasn't a lot. We'd just have a little bit 
to sustain us. I remember going to the more because it was it was four four of us for, for and and I remember going to the one liquor store. We found this this supply of Mortlock, which they don't make. And I went in. I didn't. It was it was a long. It was a months. This went on, and I finally went to the liquor store, and the guy kind of goes. Really? <laughs> We're running out. <laughs> like, I don't care. They did run out. We bought the last one. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, you were definitely there for me and you had strong shoulders too. And I do remember stoic, stoic. And I think I said something to you. The, that's the thing that Randy said to me. Randy views so many things through military a lens of duty, you know, duty, duty bound. Very duty. Bound. Um, he taught me to keep my powder dry um, don't fight the skirmish, uh, save it for the yeah, war. One shot. Yep. You get one shot. So I th I've thought about those things a lot. Randy's taught me a lot, but he and I went through and did some things there at the end to try and save her that we may never tell, but that, um, nope. you said we went to battle together and you can't erase that. Sure. You know, and I remember that. And I think and we'll I will be bonded forever because. Yep. I yep. think I said to you at one time, you don't even cry because I was a wreck. You put up with a lot. He put up with a lot. You put up with a lot. You both. God bless both of you. Uh, you. I said, you don't even cry. And you finally said to me in the beginning, you said it's not time. And then later you told me I took the time. And once I knew you were OK. And you said, and I leaked. That's what he told me. I went away and I leaked. And I was like, it's called crying, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you, you have to, it's so, it, so important to grieve and so okay to grieve. I think, I think sometimes, uh, back to the military, the military, there's a, there's a, there, you are told to be tough. You're told to be a badass, And it, that doesn't take away that you always have to be human. Scotty said something, he goes, he goes, you have to be the gardener too. You want you, he said, you, you would rather be a warrior in a garden uh, than a gardener in a war. He goes, you have to have the other side. And I said, you know, he, he kept bringing up the Spartans and stuff. And you had such a history, such a genius with history. They were taught. I don't think our military teaches kids, these kids that if they teach them how to fight, it's going to be tough, but they don't teach them how to be human in the face of that. You know what I mean? It's go rah, hoorah, go, go, go. And I think uh, leaders like you, uh, when you uh, do that, you know, you're a, you're also a thinker, a deep thinker. And well, I, yeah. our, our last sergeant major of the Army had had sought help for PTSD. And, and so it, and they wanted him to help change that that view of, of seeking help because, you know, it's there for a reason is it's to, to be able to help you to function again and maybe get back into. Uh, what you did before, but uh, but I will tell you that even though that that glass of red wine broke the cycle, you know, I it, it was several years of when that play that scene would start to play again. Uh, that sometimes I would resort to to uh, red wine or maybe something a little stronger mm -hmm. and just to shut the mind off. And when I came back to the farm, I figured it was all over. I hadn't had anything in three years, and uh, I didn't know that whenever you wean a bunch of cow uh, of uh, calves off their mamas. The mamas are down there crying, and up where I was, it sounded just like the women in the marketplace after a bomb had gone off. Oh. And it's all, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, the film started rolling again. And uh, luckily, I had uh, I had some medicine that the doctor recommended. I am his but, doctor. Uh, and two years later, I was able to go to the and, and yes, 
and I was able to go through that season and not uh, not have a, a problem again. I haven't had any problems since. It's that's but that's the one thing. But about, it's in there. Yeah, but that's the thing about it. people don't remember that. Like the guy. So all right, you some people have this attitude who aren't soldiers, didn't go to war. That you, I, I even I have been guilty of this where you go, all right, you've been back for three years, you're okay now. No, the the film is still loaded. At any moment, it can start playing. So you have to make sure that you. That's why I think we need to really, I mean, really need to. People need to be aware that our our, our guys. When they say support the troops, it's not just putting a magnet on the back of your car. It's actually making sure that you vote for people that are going to support the troops, that you make free, that you that you support leaders that are going to make sure that those guys get taken care of. And you know, women. and women. Sorry, oh that those women, that all the military gets taken care of. Sorry, Randy. Well, every year on <laughs> and veterans, women on Veterans Day and women, I will always veterans call him. And ask him if he's having his scotch because he toasts his fallen every Veterans Day, wherever he is. Can I say that you also lost someone in the uh, 9-11 Pentagon flight down, right? The crash. Yes. And that's one of the people that he toasts. Vince Tolbert was a good friend of mine. What was his name? Yeah, he he was Navy. Vince Tolbert, his first name was uh, was not Vince, but that's why he went by. It was Vince Tolbert, and so uh, instead of using his real name, that's I mean his real first name, he never did. So, but big bear of a guy, played it was down lineman for uh, for Navy uh, when he was in, in, at the, the, the Annapolis, and he was uh, just a just a great guy. Our, our his parting words were to me as we I headed to Kuwait, and he headed to uh, Washington D.C. was uh, uh, you. You need to be safe over there. The most dangerous thing I have up there is traffic. Oh uh, wow! And by the way, also uh, I remember uh, watching Randy. You want to make Randy angry? Bring up a 9/11 conspiracy that it oh, didn't yeah. happen. Holy shit! He's like, <laughs> I had a friend die. Yeah. It's so. It's guys. So we have like one degree of separation. There's a dude who knew a dude that died in the Pentagon. So every time someone claims this bullshit. I always, it always makes me, um, what do you, I mean, how do you see, I, I, I still, you haven't really explained it to me. How do you see death now? I, I remember grandma changed my entire opinion about it. I am no longer afraid of it. How do you see it now? I am, I, uh, I'm not sure I say that death is a cuddly friend. Uh, Agreed. Uh, <laughs> I went through periods of time where it seemed like death was my constant com- companion. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not afraid of death. You know, I, I know it's coming. I, I hope to be able to, like the Spartans, to to have a a beautiful death or a, or a good death uh, that I don't leave people uh, traumatized by it. Uh, you know, I, I hope to go gently off into the night as Melissa did and, for the most part, with, with Sharon, and that even she was so worried about you, she wouldn't let go. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yes, I think that uh, no, death is death is not something that I fear or go crazy. If I if, if I was if I was so so worried about that, I wouldn't climb into the corral with a bunch of 
a beast that uh, outweighed me by 10 to, to 15 times <laughs> and, uh, and, and tried to and he's not talking about the Zumba class in the Ozarks. He's talking <laughs> about the farm that you were. I on. actually think your, your new wife, Patty, should be afraid of death because holy typhoid Mary of weddings, you've now you're you've lost two. And I said, Randy, I don't think you're ever going to find anybody yeah, to marry right. you again. And <laughs> and he did. He's remarried. Because he's a good man. He is a good man. But I'm sure she. And you know what? The people around me say I have a type. Not not how they look. Is this? They will. If they think I'm doing something stupid, they'll they'll get me told right off the bat. And your mama was an ace at that. Yes, she was. I I came by that honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, she did. Why well, don't you friends. ever raise your hand to me? <laughs> um, I just, I have, I have a question for you. And then one last thing, what, uh, what are we missing? What could we be doing better here to support the men and women that do come home with these movies in their heads that, that we're not doing? I think it's so easy for them to slip under the radar. It's really hard to put put you know a finger on any one thing um but but i think like was done in in the military those that retire or or, or just leave service uh and have a lot of baggage i think there should be uh, some program of reaching out to make sure that they are okay uh those you know one of the things is always bothering me. i talked to chris about this once before is that some of those that we we know had ptsd they go out. If it was mild, they don't. They don't seek help, but they still have this strong paranoia. And at least one has turned uh, a weapon on others here in our country. And so I think staying tied into those would be something that that uh, you know. And, and I, I know that nobody wants them to to uh, notify law enforcement at some point if whoever would be handling them sees that they're going over the edge. I think it would be a duty to to say, hey, we need to bring this guy in before you know he he uh, commits suicide by cop. So, so and and also, so because we can't trust the government uh, or the bureaucracy of the government to do that, uh, they seem and it's go through history, hundreds of years where they have just once the guys are done fighting, once the guys are done putting their asses on the line for this country, they are forgotten about. So to all of you out there with people in the military, uh, come home, family members, check on them. It's, you know, that as Randy said, and this is the best way I've heard it put, the movie's still there. It's still in their head. So make sure you touch base with them. And, and, if, they, and if they are a little shaky, don't be afraid. Not, you're not, not, you're right. You know, don't you're not. Not everybody can lock that movie behind the door and not look right, it up. Right, exactly. As, and you never as, know. As and as like you said, you, the cows. Conversation, I shut off. Yeah, but they yeah. But the cows set it off. Like you don't even know what could set it off. That's crazy. You know, I mean, you. I get when you said oh, it. I, I had no idea that was coming. Yeah, right. Exactly. So make sure you guys. By the way, uh, all your family members, uh, friends that have done military service that came back. Uh, uh, people in my family. I, I call Scotty once in a while. How you doing, man? Is everything okay? And he still goes to therapy. So it is a it is actually the brave thing to get help. 
the 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 thing to not go right. get help. The brave thing is to actually get involved and solve it because that's what yeah. we do. That's what the men and women. Thank you. Holy uh, the crap. Services do. Holy crap! I remember when my mom passed away and how rough that was at the end. My dad's advice: put it in a room, lock the door, throw the key away. Totally healthy. And that I sounds totally. Like, <laughs> holy shit! And I thought, based on yeah. his. You know, <laughs> suppression and emotional instability my entire life. Oh, that's not the thing to do. No. Okay. I'm going to open up a door, put it in a field and let everybody see yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Because then that can help. Then they can help. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, Randy, we appreciate you so much. Yeah, man. And I want you guys, I don't want to give it away because you need to come see my new show. It's called Beauty for Ashes about the journey with my mom and Randy. And uh, But if anyone has seen my show and is wondering, he is Colonel Nipples. This is Colonel Nipples, ladies and gentlemen. All we're right, not going to tell you why. We're not going to tell you why he's named that. I'm not going to tell you why he's named that, but... Uh, but there is. I own that. Yes. <laughs> yes. I own that. Not my finest hour, but I, I will say this. Uh, she said the other night on stage, she goes, she's talking to the audience and she goes, you know what? I have pictures of this. I'm going to make my show multimedia when we film it. <laughs> we'll blow your face out, but not your nipples, sir. But not your nipples, sir. <laughs> I have, I do have pictures of you in, in that moment when you were running up the stairs. I don't know if I told you that. Uh, see, see, now he's a killer. See, now he's a trained killer. So now you're on the ragged edge now. See, now maybe I shouldn't have said anything. It's my fault. Yeah, well, I, I've, I've undergone a, a lot of therapy and forgiveness. <laughs> okay, good. Randy, thank you so much. Thank you so much for what you've done for this country, uh, for learning Arabic to do that, and also for what you've done in this family through our personal struggles. We love you very much. We love much. you, my brother. I love you guys too. I wish I could see more of you. Yeah, well, the, well, you got to leave the Ozarks because we're not going there. <laughs> I saw the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Randy. I love you. Yeah. Love you too, man. Thank you so much. <laughs>